0: Life is better together. Working together every day has been one of the greatest gifts of our life, but it's not without its challenges.
1: In this episode, we're answering some of the most common questions we get about working with your spouse and sharing some of the best lessons we've learned in the past 10 years of working side by side.
0: This is Life with Amy and Jordan. When we're out and about in the world and people meet us for the first time and they find out that we work together, one of their first questions is, oh, so that's really cool. You guys are photographers. Is that how you met? And the answer is no, that's actually not how we met. It's something that we chose. Um, And people's eyes always get a little wide at that point. Why would you choose that? Almost like they're horrified. Like, wait a minute, you chose to work together? And the answer is yes. Yeah,
1: we chose to get married, but... We don't want to work together.
0: <laughs> and we always kind of say, we always kind of laugh when people say like, oh my gosh, I could never work with my spouse. And one of the reasons we always laugh is because we don't think anyone is giving themselves enough credit who thinks I could never work with them with their spouse. Because we always say you're already in the business of life together, right? When you decide to get married, you're deciding to live your life together. And that's kind of like running a business in a way. It's kind um, of like
1: a more important business. Like like you know, like from, from my life. perspective, like the, the business of life and the business, of marriage and family is more important than any business. So if you're in the business of marriage and family, you could probably be in business business together. But like Amy said, you're probably just not giving yourself quite enough credit.
0: And when we met, this was not something that was in our plans. As many of you know, we met when we were in high school. So when we were high school seniors, we were not thinking like, hey, one day let's work together and run a business together. And we were just best friends who love spending time together. And uh, as we dated, Throughout college, we had uh, created professional plans for what we were going to do when we got married.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. No, you go.
0: No, you. Clearly, (laughs) we work so well together that we.
1: just talk over each other. Yeah,
0: man, what a great example.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, part of our plan was Amy was going to go to college to be an elementary school teacher, and I was going to go to law school. And our thought process behind that was, while she was teaching elementary school for three years to support us financially, I would spend three years in law school. And when I graduated, I would get a job at a law firm, and I would work as an attorney uh, for the rest of my life. And at that point, Amy would potentially have the option to stop teaching and to stay home with our kids if that was what she desired and what she chose. And I was about eight weeks into law school where, for a lot of reasons, I was like, this stinks. <laughs> and the main reason for me, I mean, there are a lot of reasons. I won't go into those now. But um, the main reason for me is that I was separated from my best friend all day. And so I started looking down the barrel of a 20 or 30 or 40 year career where I was going to be leaving in early in the morning, working until late at night as, a, as an attorney. And I was going to be separated from Amy and I wasn't going to get to spend nearly as much time with her as I was accustomed to. And I did not want that life for me. I didn't want it for her. I didn't want it for us. And so eight weeks into law school, my illustrious law school career, um, if anybody ever asks, I always tell them, did you you go to graduate school? I have eight weeks of graduate school. (laughs) Uh, But after eight weeks of law school, I dropped out midway through my first semester and started volunteering at Amy's school where she was teaching elementary school. Um,
0: mostly because we didn't know what else he was going to do yet. It was mostly like we knew that law, sc- that law school was not the answer because law school would lead to Jordan becoming an attorney, which we realized that, that was not what we wanted for our lives. But we didn't really have a plan B. Um, but luckily, as Jordan started volunteering in the classroom, um, our principal was like, do you need a job?
1: (laughs) I was like, does it pay benefits?
0: (laughs) And that's how Jordan became an elementary school teacher. (laughs) Well, I think our
1: principal, she kind of figured like, okay, if you got in, if you got into law school, you are probably capable of also teaching fifth grade math, reading, writing history, and that kind of thing. And so I guess I was, I was enough qualified in her eyes, but I started teaching elementary school in a next door classroom to Amy.
0: Well, and I can toot your horn for a second and say that Jordan was an excellent fifth grade teacher, just so good with the kids and an excellent classroom manager and just an excellent uh, teacher, one that kids were really engaged with. So she was right. (laughs) You didn't necessarily need to go to school to be a really impactful teacher for those kids. Well, thank you. So anyways, (laughs) we started, enough about me.
1: Um, (laughs) We taught elementary school in next door classrooms at the same classroom for three or four years. Next
0: door classrooms at the same school.
1: At the same school.
0: Not in the same class. Not in the same classroom. That would have been a little too much. (laughs) That would have been
1: awesome. (laughs) And and then eventually, uh, we became full time professional photographers um, who went on location and shot together. And then we also worked from home during the week side by side.
0: So we just thought we would start answering some common questions we get about that because people are just kind of baffled when they find out that we work together all the time, um, that we're in the office together all the time. And so we thought we'd just break down exactly what that looks like.
1: Yeah. And if you're somebody who's listening right now and you are are married, this is going to be a great episode for you. Because if you're married, whether you're in business together or you're just in the business of, like we talked about earlier, the business of life together, there's going to be a lot in this episode, a lot of things that we've learned the hard way that have made our marriage and our business function better as we divide roles and responsibilities and all of that good stuff. But if you're somebody who's listening right now and and maybe you're single or maybe you um, even if you're married and you have a workplace that you go to every day, there are a lot of really good teamwork lessons in this episode mm-hmm. that we think will really help you just work well and get along with others, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a family member, you know, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. if you are, are not married or you don't work with your spouse or you're single and you think, well, this doesn't apply apply to me, I promise you there's going to be so much meat in this episode that will apply to you. We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute. But first, do you love taking photos but wonder why yours don't look like the ones you see online?
0: What if we told you there was a free online photography class that would help you fix that? We're Amy and Jordan, and along with hosting this show, we're professional photographers who help people take better pictures. We created a free online photography class where you'll learn three easy pro tricks that will help you start taking better photos this week.
1: To reserve your free seat, just head to amyandjordan.com slash class to choose a date and time that works for your schedule. Again, that's amyandjordan.com slash class. We're so excited to share three of our favorite pro secrets that will help you start taking better photos this week.
0: We can't wait to see you in class. Now back to the episode.
1: I think one of the things that's really important as we kind of step back from this idea that we are wedding photographers and photographers together is it's really important in in a marriage and in a business to take an interest in things that the other person is interested in. So, you know, I never set out or dreamed as a little boy of becoming a professional wedding photographer. (laughs) And I don't even know if Amy necessarily thought about that when she was younger or dreamed of it. But once Amy decided that she wanted to be a photographer, that she wanted to be a professional photographer, I was 100% on board for that dream because I wanted to do everything that would allow me to spend as much time with Amy as possible. Something we used to say a lot when we were 17 and 18 in high school, as we said, one of our goals... Uh, for, our, for our relationship and for our marriage is to maximize the amount of time that we get to spend together on this earth and bear witness to each other's life. And so I think that's just as we kind of go through this conversation, I think it's really important to always try to take an interest in what your spouse is interested in. Because what we have found is that it's not necessarily about what we're doing. It's the fact that we're doing it together, right? And so mm-hmm. there are things that I'm more inter- that I'm interested in that Amy wasn't when we got married, and she became interested in the Those things. And now it just gives us more and more to connect on and more and more to relate to.
0: And we always joke that Jordan would be really good at picking out like any bride's dress because he's learned so much about silhouettes and like, oh, this A-line looks great. Or-
1: I'm like straight guy with a queer eye. <laughs> That's like the opposite of the show. It's so
0: so true. Like, you know, he could like pick out like the perfect scalloped cathedral veil for any dress, right? Like he really uh, can nail things that like he never, like he grew up as a soccer player. Like he never was like studying the fashion magazines, right? But it's funny, like, over time how uh, something that Jordan never even loved photography at the beginning, but he's loved what photography has allowed us to do and the people it's allowed us to serve and the way that it's changed our life. And now he loves photography in a way that he probably never could have imagined.
1: In addition to being wedding photographers, there's a whole nother side of our business, which is for edu- online education for photographers, um, and a lot of other things that we do. Where most of the week, we're actually sitting side by side, and we're working at at a desk in our home office. And so we want to share some of the things that we do to divide those roles in our, in our, our kind of like home business and our home office to allow us to be as effective and as productive as possible. And one of the things that we believe is really important is that we want to lean into our strengths and we don't need to be a Jack of all trades. And so what I mean by that is I think that within our, in our home context, a lot of people would be surprised to know this, but Amy does 100% of the editing of every single photo that we take. A dirty little secret about us (laughs) is that I actually don't know how to edit photos. So if you gave me a photo session and said, "Hey Jordan, go call this session, meaning go select the images and edit those photos. I never actually took the time in our business to learn how to do that. Because what Amy and I realized was, well, wait a second, if one of us is going to primarily be doing all of the editing of all of the photos. It makes more sense for Amy to dedicate a ton of time to becoming really good at it, really fast at it, and an expert in that area. And it makes sense for Jordan, again, because there are two of us, it makes sense for me to go focus on a different area of our business, maybe the tax side or the legal side or the accounting side or whatever that looks like. Yeah,
0: put in that eight weeks of law school to doing. That's right, that's right.
1: (laughs) and so we try to divide that labor within our business where we're leaning into our strengths and that's something that we think is just a general really important principle whether you're married or whether you are dating or whether you're in some other business context is we really feel like teams work most effectively when people lean in to their the things that they're good at and the things they also like so let me say that one more time lean in to the things you're good at and lean in to the things that you also like and so for me me, I absolutely detest the idea of editing photos. I hate it. I don't want to sit at the computer. I don't want to edit an image. It's not something I'm interested in. I wouldn't like it. I'm not good at it.
0: And I detest the idea of trying to go through our mon- monthly financials and looking at the numbers or like getting into our bank accounts, things that are really important to a business um, that Jordan has really become an expert in and really thrives in. And so we realize that we're so much stronger when we lean into our strengths. And I think the reason we even bring that up is because Because I think it's easy for any person to feel embarrassed about what they don't know or embarrassed about what they're not good at. Um, But for us, we really think of it as... uh, a a positive, a good thing that we each have expert roles in our business and that we um, the same way that we have like lead shooter um, and one one defers to the other, we defer to each other in many different areas of our business. And so I think for us, that's really helped our business grow and thrive, uh, sticking to the things that we're both strong at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that kind of going along with that, there's something that we, you know, in our in our business context, that's kind of how we do everything. And I think one thing that's really important is just because one person is focused um, and responsible for a certain area, we think it's really important for there to be some amount of crossover so that that person doesn't feel alone. Because one thing that we've learned is that when you're in your own little work silo and you're 100% responsible for something like the editing and it 100% rests on your shoulders, whether or not that task gets done, you're doing 80 or 85% of the work figure out a way as the other partner to come alongside them and do 20% of that job however you can. So a perfect example is when we photograph a wedding or a portrait session, Amy's 100% responsible for all of the posing while we're on the session. She's responsible for choosing the final images, for editing the final images, for pairing those images to go on a blog post, for posting a sneak peek image on Instagram. She's doing everything visual that relates to that. My responsibility is to write the blog post for our client. And so one of the things we found is that when you're doing, you know, 85, 90%, 95% of the work on a given task to come alongside your spouse, to come alongside your partner and just take that five or 10% off their plate to give them a little bit of relief. Because if Amy is siloed working on this one job and she's doing work and she's doing work and she's doing work and then all of a sudden she finishes and she's like, Oh, I finally finished that job, but now she has to write a blog post now she's feeling a little bit defeated like, oh, there's just one more step. So if I can just come alongside her and finish that one more step, that just helps her in that project. And the other thing I would just mention is just that whenever you're working in different areas of the business... So for me, for example, I do all the financials for our business. I work with our bookkeeper. I work with our accountant. I do all of that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean that I still don't bring things to Amy. So I might sit her down, sit Amy down, or that sounds like you're in trouble. (laughs) Sit down, young lady. But... We would yeah, sit down once a month. A yeah, once, <laughs> yeah, once a month when the financials come back from our bookkeeper, I'm the one who reads through all the detail of the financials. I kind of like it. A lot of Amy thinks it's boring, but then I might sit down with her and say, "Hey, can I have 15 minutes of your time to go over this month's financials?" And then I'm going to give her the quick hits. And
0: that's the way that I can be supportive because sometimes when we're talking about like that 80/20, just taking like a little bit of the load off doesn't necessarily mean that we're taking over part of the job, but instead that we're just being like a supportive sounding board for the other one so yes, that when yes. it comes to especially, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> especially when it comes to things that require decisions we really try to make uh the the small decisions in our areas we really just defer to the other person so i'm not going to be like consulting jordan on every calling like selecting the images editing right. decision because we'd never get anything done
1: right because i mean the reality is there are $1 decisions there are $100 decisions and there are $1000 decisions and there there are $10,000 decisions, right? And so we want to make sure that as we're, as we're making decisions, if Amy feels like she needs to stop and consult with me for every single image that she's choosing for a wedding, we would never get anything else done. So we want to give each other enough flexibility and leeway within the areas that we are responsible for. And then when there's a big thing that comes up or a big decision that has to be made, I might come to Amy and say, hey, I've, I've been wrestling with this. I've been working on this. I just need your eyes on it because I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm missing something or I'm not seeing something. Or I think, can you help me choose between this and this? right? And then Amy's able to come alongside me with fresh eyes and help. And a phrase that we use a lot in our business when we're making decisions is Amy might ask for my opinion. And I might say, hey, between these two things, I think this one, but you're the expert in this area. This is your thing. And so I want you to know that whichever thing you choose, I trust you 100% and I stand by you. And I think that's a principle that whether we're talking about and we're going to get into kind of how we divide roles in our household and our marriage in just a second. But when you're in a business or whether you're in a marriage or whatever, when you're working with a partner as a team, it is very, very, very important that when you decide to make a final decision, especially on something that has a little bit of weight or a little bit of gravity or, you know, a little, bit of of that kind of thing that you support the other person's decision and we never go back on that decision. So there have been times where each of us has made a decision in the business and it was so successful. Mm -hmm. And we gave ourselves as a team, well, we gave God credit, but we gave ourselves as a team credit. And there have been times in our business where we have each made very bad decisions that cost us something, right? Could be money, could be something else. But we go through a process of saying when we're making a decision together in our business, we are in a hundred percent agreement on this, or maybe we're not a hundred percent in agreement, but I defer to your judgment because I trust you and I love you. And I know you have our business and our marriage and our life, the best interests of those things at heart. And so at that moment, that becomes our decision, right? In marriage, they say two people become one in a business, two people become one right in that partnership. So we just want to make sure that we're saying in advance, I fully support you on this decision. I'm a hundred percent behind you in case something doesn't turn out exactly the way that you hoped. That is not a time To then come back and say, Well, I told you so.
0: (laughs) Totally. And when we're thinking about this idea of working together as spouses, in our job and our career, it's almost impossible for us to separate our career and our professional life from our home life, um, specifically because we work from home (laughs) together. So it's... In our pajamas. (laughs) Like right now.
1: (laughs) Except I'm wearing gloves right now because I get really cold. Something's wrong. I have poor circulation.
0: (laughs) Guys, we live in Arizona. It's like the one. I've got
1: cashmere gloves on my hands. Well, they're not cashmere. They're probably from like H&M's, you know.
0: (laughs) fake
1: cashmere faux cashmere yeah we're faux cashmere kind of people maybe that's what i'm really getting at here
0: (laughs) not necessarily a label i'm super excited about (laughs) but sure we're faux cashmere people whatever the heck that means um but when we're sitting at home together and we're working from the office together, it it's definitely very easy for the lines to blur from business to personal back and forth because we're literally working out from our home working out of our home. So we really wanted to talk about how we divide roles in our home and how we approach that. um, Because this is something that we developed over time and became very important as we started building our business together, which was this idea that for us, Regardless of whether we're working in our business or in our home, we really believe and have agreed together that our roles can be equally important in both the home and the business and that we we think of our life as like Demos Incorporated, which we'll shorten to Demos Inc., but that... No one job, whether it's a personal job or a professional job, is more important than the other. So let's a quick example would be if Jordan is making dinner and I'm editing a wedding, no neither job is more important than the other because they both need to happen. Because if client, Amy
1: starves, no more photos get edited.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I think it can be easy sometimes to downplay household roles and responsibilities, things like food preparation or cleaning or tidying or organizing or uh, managing the finances that sometimes the household responsibilities can easily get downplayed. But to us, it's it's very important that we treat them with equal importance and think of everything as Demos Inc. That Demos Incorporated only runs if both the personal and the business side are both humming along.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to the original point that we made about finding, th- asking yourself two questions. What am I good at and what do I enjoy doing? So in our relationship, I actually... I'm pretty good at household roles and, you know, roles and responsibilities and chores. She's and I, really and I actually like it. Like my, like, honestly, my dream is to be in some ways to be a stay at home mom, because I literally, I love that process. You
0: mean a stay at home dad. Stay at home dad. Yeah. Stay
1: at home <laughs> dad. But I, I really do. I love and take so much pride in keeping a home, feeding our family, like, you know, even things like laundry and like, and wiping down counters. I just take a lot of pride in that process. And I really enjoy it. And I really like it. And so that that's my lane inside of our home. Whereas Amy, that is not her lane. And so Amy would much rather be in the office working on something that moves our business forward, because that's just something that she enjoys more um, than I do. And so I think one of the things that we have to kind of wrestle with a little bit is that even though we look at everything under the umbrella as of Demos Incorporated as all of these things are important. Like getting dinner cooked is really important. Like getting edit photos edited. That's really important too. Even though things have equal importance They do not always have equal priority. And so something that Amy and I have really had to work through in our marriage and has become a point of a little bit of tension and a little bit of frustration sometimes is, I'll give you a perfect example. We could be sitting in our office, working side by side. We're both pounding away at our keyboard. We're listening to our baby monitor. And all of a sudden, Beckett decides to wake up from his nap one hour earlier than we had planned. So instead of waking up at four, he wakes up at three, but Amy and I had both been operating under the assumption, I have another hour to finish this task. So when we start to hear him talking on his monitor and we realize, I mean, Amy's normally like, we should go get him. And I'm like, wait till he cries. <laughs> but, but once he wakes up, we realize, okay, one of our work days has to end and so uh, a typical scenario that would happen was we would look at each other and maybe amy has been editing a wedding all day and she is like so close to finishing editing that wedding and that maybe i'm working on something that isn't really a priority and it's not it's important but it's not urgent so it's something that i really don't have to have, be done with until friday but maybe it's a Tuesday. And so in that moment, what we've decided is to ask ourselves the question, how can I best serve my spouse? What is the best way that I can serve our business right now and serve my spouse and serve our son? And so we've made a decision in our marriage that whoever is working on the thing that's the most urgent and the most important keeps working while the other spouse goes and gets back it up from his nap, gives him a snack and plays with them. And what I found uh, it, it, just in our marriage is that sometimes Amy is working up against a deadline, but sometimes she's not necessarily working up against a deadline, but she's been working on a project all day. And for her to be able to finish that project and have it off of her plate at four o'clock when we stop working, she needs one more hour, but Beckett woke up early. And so sometimes I'll ask Amy the question, like, is this something that's urgent and important? Does it have to be done by four? And sometimes she says yes. And if she does, no question, I get up from my desk, I go get Beckett from his nap. But sometimes it doesn't actually have to be done by four. There's not really a deadline on it. She could finish the next morning. But I can tell just from her demeanor that it would be an emotional win for her to get that project knocked out. And so I'll ask her sometimes, is this urgent and important? Or would this just give you a huge emotional boost and an emotional lift and feel like an emotional win if you got it done? And so that's kind of bleeding back into the work situation a little bit, but maybe you kind of see from that example, how work and life kind of balance out together. And that's a way that I can serve Amy. She can finish something that is really important to her and our business and be done. So we can have a great night together as a family.
0: And that's really the thing that Hopefully, like as you're listening to Jordan give that example, the thing that we've realized over time, something that we were not good at at the beginning, was just simply communicating that and having those conversations and asking simple questions like, hey, how would you feel if blank? And how would you feel if you had one more hour to get this done? Or me simply saying like, hey, I know this might seem silly because I don't have to have this done until... Tomorrow at noon, but it would make me feel so much better. It would make, it's really important to me to be able to like have this win and finish this today and just being able to put that into words simply. So we know when we're sharing things that are important to us, but might feel kind of silly to the other person. Sometimes you can feel like awkward and earlier on in our business, I think both of us would just kind of shove whatever was important to us, whether it was like a household thing or a business thing. And when, whenever we would shove those things, we would just like quietly be building resentment toward the other person without even really realizing it. So instead just being extra, over communicate, like just over communicating constantly is basically the best way we've learned to be able to work together. So always talking about what we're thinking and feeling and sharing so that when little tiny things come up, they don't turn into big giant things later on.
1: We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute. But first, if you're anything like us, before you buy something online, you research to no end, which is why we're so grateful when people we know and trust recommend something they already use and love.
0: That's why we created a list of all our favorite things just for you. Everything on this list is something we use and love in our everyday life from baby products and cleaning products to our favorite books, our kids' favorite toys, and so much more. All our recommendations are in one place and they're just one click away.
1: To see the complete list and start shopping now, head to amyandjordan.com favorites. Again, that's amyandjordan.com favorites.
0: When you make a purchase using one of our links, it doesn't cost you extra. Sometimes it even saves you money. And it's an easy way to help support the show. Now back to the episode.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I can think about even in our marriage, So, kind of step aside from our business for a second, but just in our marriage, one of the, because roles and responsibilities in the home sometimes just get assumed and there's never a conversation about it. So one of the roles that Amy took on in our family was in the middle of the night, when if Beckett would wake up in the middle of the night, and maybe you can relate to this if you have kids, but a typical scenario would be two in the morning. For some reason, Beckett would wake up. We would hear him on the monitor and I would hear Amy whisper. Do you think we should go get him? And I'd be like, no, He'll be fine. Give him 15 minutes. Jordan's
0: answer is always he'll be fine. Because I am
1: a monster. When I'm woken up from the dead of sleep, I am literally a monster. And so that sounded like very like New York or something. I'm a monster. Um, but anyways, if you're if you're in New York, you're like, that's not New York, moron. But, but, but it would be like this assumed thing where like I just wouldn't budge in the middle of the night and I was willing to let him go 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I would let him go until he fell back asleep and Amy felt a responsibility to go and check on him. And so a lot of times she would be the one to go up and get him or in the mornings When he would wake up, she would be the one to go up the stairs and bring him back down into our bedroom. And when we got pregnant with our daughter, something totally changed where Amy was a lot of times physically unable to walk up the stairs because she was like, I'm so pregnant. It's really hard for me to go. Can you please go get Beckett and bring him down in the morning? And that was something that up until that point, I hadn't really heard her express, hey, this is really important to me. Can you please do this? And then guess what? I got my butt out of bed as you know, when Becky would wake up in the morning, I'd go get him and bring him back down. But that was an example of an area where we just had this assumed role that that was Amy's deal. Amy was responsible for doing that, but we never actually talked about it. Um, one other thing, as we kind of think about the home, we kind of talked about this in the business portion, but in dividing, you know, roles and responsibilities in the home, we want to make sure that neither one of us needs to become a full expert in one area. Area because one of us can become an expert and then give the other spouse enough information where they're an expert, but they don't have to do the work for it. And so, a perfect example of this would be recently we decided to potty train our son Beckett, and Amy found an amazing book. I think it's called Oh Crap Potty Training.
0: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That
1: was my first swear word on air Oh Crap Potty Training. (laughs) I don't
0: think crap counts as a swear word.
1: Yes, it does. Children, if you are listening (laughs) and you are under the age of 12, that is a swear word. Do not listen to potty mouth Amy. <laughs> um, but anyways, Amy decided Pun
0: not intended, but <laughs> totally intended. So
1: Amy found this book, and and because in our home, Amy kind of takes responsibility over And just to be clear yeah. the
0: book isn't for it's not for your kids it's for you oh, to point. learn how to Well potty. I didn't
1: read it that's how i don't know.
0: <laughs> it's not a book you give to your kids. It's a book that teaches you uh how to potty train. So the reason we're bringing this book up is because that was something that I was like okay like I'm going to take over this part of our responsibilities right now and like find a system that's going to work for us that we can stick to so that we can potty train Beckett. And so so we realized it wouldn't necessarily be helpful, nor would it be something that Jordan is excited or interested in to read this several hundred page book about potty training your child. But I can read that book and then give him the cliff notes version so that we, we have like a quick meeting, we agree on our approach, and then we execute together. And we do that in a lot of areas of our business, like Jordan is the one who's the expert in our uh, finances. So before we have a meeting with our financial advisor, Jordan's going to be the one to prep all the paperwork. He's the one that has a lot more knowledge about our financial picture than I do. And then when we're in the car on the way to the meeting, he's going to quickly brief me on the the questions that we're going to be discussing. And so I can follow along in the meeting. I can ask questions. I can be supportive, but he's really taking lead. So it kind of all goes back to the same way we approach a wedding day, the same way that Jordan might lead the reception and I defer to him. He's going to lead the financial meeting and I'm going to defer to him and I'm going to lead potty training and he's going to defer to me.
1: Yeah, and it's like one of my favorite cartoon, I guess, examples or analogies If like Amy is doing something in our, is working on something for our business and she's like conquering the world and slaying work Mm -hmm. and I'm cooking a a meal in the kitchen to feed her. (laughs) We are like Shrek and donkey, right? (laughs) So Shrek and donkey are both their partners, their teammates. They're both on the same goal to storm the castle and save the princess, right? (laughs) Amy being Shrek in this example, I don't know how that happened, but we'll get there. But it's like when Shrek is off like slaying something, Right donkey's like chasing behind him like I'm making waffles right (laughs) so sometimes we take that Shrek and donkey approach of like hey girl you're killing it right now you keep working I'm gonna go get back up from his nap I'm gonna give him a snack we're making
0: waffles (laughs) and I think the important thing in that analogy of like Shrek and donkey is when you're the Shrek is giving love and appreciation to donkey and vice versa when the other one is Shrek Um, that we basically want to make sure that we're like acknowledging and also not making the other person feel like their job is less important or smaller just because they're not the one in the lead in that position. And so the more that we can approach everything in our life, whether it's potty training or finances or household meals or whatever it might be as a team, we found has really helped us uh, remove a lot of conflict and also thrive as a couple.
1: Yeah, and one thing I would just add to that is whether it's in your business or in your home, once one one spouse has taken full ownership and responsibility over a chore or a task, It's really, really important that the other spouse doesn't have to think about it or talk about it again, right? And so in our home, as a very simple example, we agreed early on that like I do the boy things, right? Amy always says, I've never claimed to be a feminist because (laughs) she likes the fact that if there's a bug to kill, I kill it. And I take the trash out.
0: Sometimes it's a scorpion because we live in the desert. (laughs) I keep
1: them in a jar. Anyways, if you ever come to our home, you can meet all of our little scorpions that we found. (laughs) Um, But but one of the, the things with that is that once we decided like Jordan takes out the trash and recycling... Amy shouldn't ever have to think about whether it's going to be taken out, and she shouldn't have to ask me to take it out. And I think that's one of the more important things. Is not that there aren't going to be exceptions, but since I do the trash, ninety nine percent of the time, if I see the trash is getting full, that is a habit trigger for me. Jordan, take out the trash. That's your responsibility. And I think one of the things that we found even in our marriage, but also that we observed in others marriages, is that if somebody doesn't take full ownership and responsibility over a certain area of the home life or in the business life, and the other person is constantly asking them to do it or nagging them to do it, that is a good indication that person hasn't taken full responsibility. So if Amy is having to prompt me one, two, three times a week, hey, can you take the trash out? Hey, do you mind taking the trash out? Hey, the trash is full. Can you take the trash out? That is a relationship over time. That's a relationship breaker. That's going to grade on the relationship. And so Instead, and this is, a—I know this is a simple example, the trash, but you could apply this to any other area that once you take that responsibility, you do it because every time you do it as a small trust builder in your marriage and in your relationship, and it also communicates to the other person like I've got this, you don't have to worry about it, take it out of your brain. And that's something that David Allen talks about in his book is It making things happen, I think. Maybe that. Maybe that's <laughs>
0: uh, that's think, somebody
1: else's book. I think that's a cute girl on Instagram, like, her, like an influencer book. Anyways, getting things done. David Allen wrote "Getting things, things Done," goodness. and it's like a habit task <laughs> management type book. Um, another really good one is "The Power of Habit" by Charles Dewig. But this idea that like your brain is like a computer. And you want to get as many things as you can off that desktop, right? Because it takes up RAM space in, in, in the hard drive of your brain, so to speak. And so, I don't want Amy to ever think about the trash again. I don't want her to have to remember to take out the trash one day and take the curb for the you know take the recycling to the curb on the other day. Uh, because that's I've taken ownership of that. And so, I think if you're in a situation where you where you are finding yourself constantly asking the other person to do something that's supposed to be their role or responsibility, it might be time to sit down and have a question and just say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to have to ask you to do this all the time. I don't want to nag you, but like, is there a reason why the X isn't getting done? Is it something that you don't like? Is it something that you don't feel good at? Like, can we have a conversation about it? And if you are able to have that kind of a conversation, you might find out that, yeah, guess what? Neither one of you likes it. Right. There's there are tasks that neither one of us like, but yeah, that I'm, I wouldn't
0: necessarily say Jordan likes taking out the trash.
1: No, no. But I do get to get the mail. So I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like if it you, as your reward. It's kind of like my reward. So I'm like, I take the trash out and I get the mail <laughs> and I stop and talk to the neighbor for 10 minutes while Amy's still working. <laughs> but I think that if you're in a situation where that's happening, it might be time for a conversation because there are things that, you know, Amy and I both neither of us like doing them. one of us is better at it or like more geared or inclined toward it. And so that's just something where I go, I don't like doing this. I don't want to do it. But of the two of us, I'm the better equipped one to do it. And this is another way, this is a way that I can serve my spouse. And there are going to be other ways that Amy serves me on things that we both don't like, but that maybe she's better at.
0: Mm -hmm. And that everything always falls back under that umbrella of Demos Incorporated, that in order for our household to run, both the business goals and the household goals need to get met. And so that's something that we try to do at the beginning of all of our work days is just agree on what our daily, what's our goal for today. And we like to have that Discussion at the beginning of the day, so that we learn this earlier on in our life, in our business, in our marriage, that sometimes we would each just get in our own heads and start whatever task we thought was the most important on our own without talking about it and just get in the zone. And we realize that we're actually a lot more effective when we take a few minutes together to decide together. What's the most urgent and important things to get done today? And Because sometimes the things that are on Jordan's radar are not on my radar and vice versa. So if we sit down and have a conversation at the beginning of the day where we set daily goals for ourselves of like, okay, just today, what's the number one thing that we're going to get done? And then how long do we think that's going to take? And can we do that without interrupting each other necessarily? Or is that something we're going to team up together? Can we carve out time for that? So having those discussions at the beginning of the day and then continuing communication, if things are taking longer than we expect on an individual project, we found that that, again, this comes from us making a lot of mistakes and maybe... Uh, A job is taking me longer than I expected it to, but I don't say anything because I'm trying so hard to get it done. And then Jordan's waiting for me and then conflict arises from that, right? So instead of learning to over-communicate as much as possible about not just the goals from the beginning of the day, but how the time is moving throughout the day. Because we're literally sitting side by side at the same desk in the same office. And so we've learned over time that that's the best way that we can show love and respect to each other.
1: Yeah. And I think that's one of the traps when we think about the, the people will ask us sometimes, like, what are some of the challenges of working together? And I think one of the challenges are these traps that are set and you don't realize that they're there. and one of the biggest traps is feeling frustrated underneath the surface, but not expressing it. And we talk a lot about this in our episode called Five Rules for Fighting. Um, So I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. But one of the traps that we've found ourselves falling into is having an uncommunicated expectation. And it's exacerbated when you work together and it's exacerbated when you work from home together because Amy and I might have an expectation that our workday starts at eight o'clock, but maybe there's something that has to be done around the house that doesn't get completed until 8 15 or 8 20. And so I'm running around the house trying to complete this thing. And Amy's in the office waiting for me. And Amy's thinking, like, what is she doing? What is she doing? What is he doing? We're supposed to start work at eight. And on the other side of it, I'm feeling frustrated underneath the surface that, like, why isn't she helping me with this? Like, she knows we're supposed to start working at eight. It's 8 10. Clearly, I'm still working around the house. I wish she would just come in and help me do this. And then we could be done faster. And that's an example of both of us having an uncommunicated expectation instead of me just saying, Hey, you know what, I realize there's this thing that's got to get done around the house, maybe because it actually has to get done. Maybe because emotionally for me, it's like a win. Like we talked about those emotional wins for Amy when she's like, I just need an hour to finish this thing. I've been working on it all day. For me, an emotional win might be like, hey, the kitchen is a little bit messy for whatever reason from last night. Can you just give me five minutes of your time or 10 minutes and we clean it up together? That's gonna help me feel if our home is in order, it's gonna make me feel like I can transition into our work and into our business. And so be careful of those traps uh, that you could fall into of feeling frustrated underneath the surface, but then not expressing it. That's Uh,
0: something that we have to work on constantly. And I think one of the things that we've really tried to, and we're definitely not perfect at this, but we've tried to think about this idea that even if something isn't important to us, the person is important to us. So even yes, if Say that again. That's so good. Of <laughs> so- course,
1: you're always the one. I'm like, that's so good. Say oh, it again. It's never me.
0: <laughs> it's just the idea that even if something isn't important to us, like a task is not important to us, if it's important to the other person, that person is important to us. So if there's something that's important to Jordan, like making sure that the kitchen is clear of all clutter before we start the work day, even though that might not be my priority. Jordan is my priority. And so we try to do the best we can at deferring in those situations. Um, you know, if it's like on a scale of one to 10 and it's a 10 for Jordan and then it's like a three for me, well, Jordan is a 10 for me. So I'm going to defer. Hey, you. Hey, hey, what are you going to do about it? Dime, what hey. are you going to do
1: about it? You're <laughs> like, I'm 39 weeks pregnant. Nothing, bucko. <laughs>
0: Um, so I think that that's something that we have had to challenge ourselves to work on over time because it's easy to always think like my thing is the most important thing.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think one of the things that we, that is so difficult, whether you're in a marriage or in a business, like we talked about earlier is just communicating your emotions in a calm, like reasonable way, but not shying away from them. And so a, a common thing that we will say to each other in our house, not too often, but it's, it's not uncommon is we'll say, Hey, you know, that I'm so grateful for everything you do around the, you know, around the house, or I'm so grateful for everything you do in our business. But sometimes when you do blank or when you don't do blank, it makes me feel this way. And I know that your heart isn't to make me feel that way. But sometimes I do. And I just wanted to talk about that so that we can find a solution and and move forward in a positive way. And I think that's such an important thing is to say, like, hey, when you do blank or when you say blank, I know that your intention isn't to hurt my feelings or I know your intention isn't to blank. But nonetheless, I feel this way and I'm wondering if we can solve it together. And I think that's a really humble approach. And I think that's something we try to work on a lot and we're not, we are, have not always been good at this.
0: Honestly, it can be hard to say or it feels like kind of embarrassing or awkward, but we've learned from doing it wrong so many times that this can actually diffuse a lot of conflict before it gets really heated. Yeah. And
1: asking yourself, you know, do the shoe on the other foot test. A lot of times I think when Amy brings something to me, my natural tendency is to get defensive, right? When your spouse or your business partner brings, you know, a loving mm-hmm. suggestion to your attention or a loving observation, um, our natural defense mode is to like treat it as a criticism, like you're attacking me, blah, 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 and get really defensive. And instead, what I've tried to do and what Amy's tried to do is stop and ask ourselves the question if the shoe were on the other foot and if we just subbed Amy's name for Jordan and I was bringing this to her, how would I want her to respond? And would this be reasonable? And I think that when we when we filter things through that lens, it makes some of that conflict easier. But I would definitely encourage you to go listen to that episode, Five Rules for Fighting, because that gets it a little bit more. We don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole or off the trail here. But, but we
0: definitely apply those rules in our business because we have to, because our business is a giant chunk of our day together every day.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I think we'll leave you with is a question that we get all the time, which is, you know what's one of the greatest challenges in working together? And I think, and I think maybe Amy, you would agree with this that mm-hmm. there's there are a lot of these you know really kind of cheesy quotes, but I think some of them are true, which is that sometimes out of your greatest challenges come your greatest opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the biggest challenges. Of us working together is the more time you spend someone with the more time you spend with someone the more comfortable you get with that person and the more comfortable you get with that person the easier it is to take them for granted and not show them gratitude and appreciation and recognition for all the things they do in your life and all the things they do for your home or your business or whatever and so I think one of the things that we found and I'll kind of like praise Amy for a second because she's really really good at this is Amy is somebody who is so grateful and so appreciative and it doesn't matter if you've been married for a year or 10 years or 50 years. If you are doing the same thing, the same role, taking out the trash, cooking dinner, editing photos and you're doing that, the work is still hard it's the same amount of heart every time you do it, and if your spouse just stops recognizing that you're doing it at all, like human beings are not robots, right? Like we are, we are warm-blooded creatures <laughs> with thoughts and feelings and emotions. And we and never so- want
0: to feel invisible right. or uh, like anything is just. I think assumed. I think it's easy. The longer that you're together, you almost just assume that the other person is reading your mind and knows how much they love you or knows how thankful they are for you, and so it's, it's it's easy to just forget to stop and express gratitude, and and just be sincere, so that we feel like we're on the same team, and that we um, that when one person is serving the other person, whether it's in the home or the business, that it's being acknowledged and it's being celebrated, so that we don't feel burned out or resentful.
1: Yeah, and I, I heard somebody say one time a quote that just totally caught my attention, which was it was like in a it was for either wives or for husbands, but like something about. Tell, I'm going to say this wrong. I'm going to bundle it, but it's basically tell your spouse who you see them becoming, Mm. not who they've been in the past, right? Tell it like, breathe life into them about who they're becoming. Fill their gas tank, fill their love tank. Um, A a, a psychologist that we were listening to not too long ago was talking about discipline with children. And he was explaining that like, if you're trying to teach your toddler how to do something and you ask them to do it once and they don't do it and you ask them to do it again and they don't do it and you ask them a third time and you feel like you've asked them a hundred times and they don't do it, And then on the hundred first time, hopefully it's like two or three times, but on on the hundred and first time, they finally do what you ask them to do and what you want them to do and what you expect them to do and something that's good for them and good for you and good for everyone. And then you look at them and say, why didn't you just do it the first time? That is a really for. He said for children, it's defeating. It's defeating. And yeah. he said, as soon as your child does the thing that you want them to do, mm-hmm. praise the good behavior instead of reminding them of the bad behavior. And I think you we're know,
0: kind of like we're just kind of like big kid, like little kids in big bodies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we also just want to know we're doing a good job and want to feel appreciated and acknowledged. And we can use that same approach to make sure that the other one doesn't feel that resentment burning, uh, building up over time.
1: Yeah, and that. Could be something if you work side by side like us. It could be something where you just kind of every once in a while when you think of something, you just mention it to the other person. Like, hey, I really appreciate you doing that, or hey, thank you for doing that. If you don't work together or you work in different places, maybe that's a time at dinner to do uh, something that we learned about called withholds. And a withhold is maybe something that you thought about that's like a really positive thought that you had about your spouse. And instead of texting it to them in that moment or telling them that moment, you just write it down. And then over dinner, you say, hey, I've got three things. Um that I, that I was thinking about ab- about you earlier, and I wanted to share those with you, things that I noticed, things that I appreciate. Like you will not find a husband or wife on the planet that when their spouse, And business partner sincerely sits down from them and looks across the table and is like, I want to tell you three things that I really appreciated about you today. The first time it might be a little weird to actually say those words, but then it's not weird after that. And the way that you can fill up their lungs, you're going to see your husbands inflate like balloons, right? And in a good way, when you tell them, hey, you know, their chest is just going to swell with pride when you tell them, hey, I just want to let you know. I know that you take the trash out every single week and I notice that or like the way that you clean up after dinner. I just want you to know that when I'm putting the kids down for bed and I come down and the house is clean, I really appreciate that because I know you have a choice to turn the TV on or tidy up the house and you don't leave that work for me. You take care of it. And so I just want you to know that I love you and I really appreciate that. And I notice, and I think that's the key Mm -hmm. thing is like catching people doing good things. When we were elementary school teachers, there were kind of like two modes of discipline, right? If you saw a kid doing something wrong. I could say like, I'm going to call him Robbie. I could Mm -hmm. say, hey, Robbie, quiet down over there. Robbie, stop talking. Robbie, I told you to stay in your seat. And then you're just like an evil dictator to the entire class, right? The other kids are scared of you. Robbie will sit down for that time being, but he's going to do it again.
0: Also, Robbie's the one getting all the attention.
1: Yeah, Robbie gets the (laughs) attention, right? So instead, what they taught us to do, really what Amy taught me to do, was to find a student who's doing exactly what you want them to do And then praise them for that in front of the other kids. So I would look in the front row and I would say, Sarah, thank you so much for sitting quietly with your math homework out so that we can begin grading as a class. Here is a Demos dollar, which was like our prize. Then all the other kids would just do exactly what Sarah did because positive praise works. And so even though it might sound a little bit cheesy, especially for wives to your husbands, but I think husbands to your wives, treat treat your husbands like little kids in that sense. <laughs> that, that, that they they love that praise and, and I just encourage them to continue to do the things that you're asking them, that you hope for them to do, right?
0: And Yeah, that's really what we found when it comes to working together is just remembering to state the obvious, state the things that we're thinking and especially the longer that we do this, the easier it is to assume like, oh, well, Jordan already knows that I appreciate him or he already knows that he's a really great writer or I don't need to acknowledge like the way he uh worded this email for example so I always have to stop myself and not speed through the the good parts before we start talking through the parts we need to solve and so it's just remembering to like stop and acknowledge and say out loud the things that you are already thinking in your head or the things that like you 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 They feel so natural at this point because you've been together for so long, but just continuing to remind the other person, you know, what you see in them and what you see them becoming is so important.
1: Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. I think at this point, Amy is going to go conquer the world and I'm going to make some waffles.
0: Thank you for listening to Life with Amy and Jordan. If this episode was helpful to you, we'd love for you to leave us a review.
1: And if it wasn't, please don't.
0: (laughs) Seriously, a review from you will help us reach more awesome people like you.
1: To get the newest episode as soon as it's available, hit the subscribe button.